0: Hello everybody, everybody. <laughs> Boy, if I mess up in my greeting, what's the rest of this broadcast going to be like? Let me start over. Hello everybody, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. I'm coming to you from a very cold Dallas, Texas. We have ice and sleet warnings for today, which is is one of the highlights of the weather calendar of the Metroplex area every year. Um, But I am happy to be in a very safe and dry and warming up broadcast booth. And I am very happy to be able to bring the Word of the Lord to our saints' family and particularly to our Father's Church congregation today. My name is Ron Crawford, I'm the pastor of the Father's Church and we are we're very excited about what God is doing. These are unusual days to say the least, as I'm sure all of you are well aware. Uh, who would have thought that we would be emerging out of the uh the COVID pandemic and uh, as we uh Exit that long tunnel, the horizon in front of us um, holds a, uh, a very unstable scenario in uh, Eastern Europe. Um, of course, there are other hot spots around the world that we also recognize um, very clearly from a geopolitical asp- uh, perspective, but For all of us as saints, we do recognize that these are times that we believe are prophesied in Scripture. These are the times of the end, and we're rapidly moving forward into them, and God is in control, but we have... We have responsibilities uh, to seek him and to partner with him in whatever it is that he is wanting to do. Remember what we have studied together as saints, that God always looks for intercessors. God looks for his human partners who are willing to stand together with him and to be his voice as the ecclesia, or the church, on earth. And that is certainly what we strive to be, to please him, to fulfill what he created us to be. You know, it's also a very significant observation to recognize that um, the saints are integral factors in the eschatological writings of Scripture, or those passages that speak about the end times. Both Daniel and John the Revelator speak very clearly about the role of a people known as the saints in the times of the end, and how very much the enemy would like to eliminate this vital core of lovers and warriors. And so, we also remember uh, the scripture that tells that in the time of the end, Elijah will be coming with an army of saints, and they there will be <clears throat> there will be a great measure of spiritual warfare as we um, find ourselves in the times that the scriptures say are filled with darkness upon the earth and gross darkness the people. We, we discover that um, the window of opportunity is closing for the workers, and so we must work diligently for the night comes when no man can work. Uh, all of these scriptures and more foretell the moments that we are, we are currently in. Now, I, from a personal standpoint don't really like such moments. I like it when it's nice and peaceful and God is leading us and speaking to us and we can just enjoy a tranquil type of an environment, you know, those still waters and the green grass, you know, where we we find find our rest according to what Psalm 23 is. But God chose for us to be living during these days, and it is a privilege. And so, you know, in all honesty, I know that may trouble some of you when I say, you know, I really don't like these days. Well, you know what? I didn't like it when I had to get up and go to school either. I'm not comparing the two. But, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't like it when I first had to get up and speak places. You know, I, d- I didn't like it when we had to go into areas that uh, God opened the door for us to minister that weren't really that weren't really comfortable and that often um, held very real and present danger. Uh, you know, I didn't like I didn't like that, but yet I did it anyway because. It's what God laid before us to do. So, God never says to us, "Hey, you know, follow me. You'll like it." <laughs> he says, uh, "Take up your cross, uh, forgetting those things that that are behind, and you press forward." And so, as I often say, it is what it is. We are living in these days. God has ordained us to live in these days. He is with us, and what a wonderful blessing that is. Um, I I know that God is using his saints, and I know that we will continue to be at the forefront of his army. Um, Our intercession is vital The things that he has shown us in his word, the pneumatikos understandings of things that are often overlooked in the scripture. We we must embrace and become fluent in them, and we must utilize them, Um, and the Spirit will help us. The Spirit is the one who gave us the scripture, and the Spirit is the one that is guiding us into truth, The Spirit is the one that is the great teacher. And so he is going to help us uh, as we are willing. He will step by step shine the light upon the pathway. You, all that Jesus began to do and to teach, you learn by doing. And uh, that, is, that is just the case. How many things in life, when you sat in a class or you read in a book, did you really know how to accomplish them? It's when you took that understanding and went out and applied it that you were able to really gain the concept and, and um, utilize it and come through with a, an application of that thing. And so we're in, we're in these days. You know, I, I've been around people, and I've studied about people who just rush to the challenge. And the problem with that is that they often rush into things that that they, uh, that they ought not to go into. And I, I, I think that God, when God says he, uh, he, he exalts the humble... And when God teaches us to wait upon the Lord, it's it's his timing, but it's also this principle. You know, you don't ever want to put power in the hands of people who are power hungry. You You don't want to put warfare capabilities at the disposal of people who live to war. And you, you, want, you want people who are, uh, as uh, Zebulun was, who are expert at war, but are not of double heart, who recognize that they must be ordered by God. And, and after you've turned the other cheek in the direction of the Spirit, you only engage in battle when God says engage. You know, the great first battle in the land of promise at Jericho showed that for six days the people didn't war at all. They just encircled the the city in obedience to God's command. And they didn't even have the latitude to shout or to speak during that time. God is not interested in only in warriors. He wants those that are devoted to him, and to them he gives the, the privilege of warring the good warfare. So it's better to, as uh, Teddy Roosevelt said, to speak softly but carry the big, a big stick. Um, you, you need to be ready for war, but you don't go out looking to pick a fight. And so that is, that is one of the key components in any warfare strategy. You know, in the scripture, you find many examples of people who had a promise, who had a prophetic indication, but who rushed ahead of the timing of God, and it, their, their reckless actions uh, destroyed the promise that God wanted to fulfill through them. And so these are really unique days and the, the scenarios are fluid in so many aspects. So we have to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And we have to stay very close to the right hand of the father, listening to the still small voice and being, being willing to allow God to be in charge and not take matters into our own hands. But one thing that we can do as saints, and we must do, is to remain faithful in prayer. Now, we have studied a lot about prayer in the Scripture, and for those understandings, we are most eternally grateful I have to remind that for most people who think about prayer for them it is simply asking God for things and um, I I remember being in church growing up and then in pastoring for many, many years. Uh, whenever we had a prayer meeting, we knew that it was always asking God for something. If somebody has a need, well, let's have a prayer meeting, and let's read their request, and let's ask God to intervene or ask God to provide. That is certainly one of the aspects that prayer can involve. But the primary aspect of prayer is commune with God. You know, the other day I was I had one of those divine appointments. I was visiting my very dear friend who has cut my hair for decades now. So any of you who don't like my hair, you can I can give you his phone number, you can call him and complain. Um, but there was a, a a woman who came into his shop while I was sitting in the in the the stylus chair, and she was a a very a very good friend of my friend, and the spirit came upon the meeting. It was really. Um, it was really a pronounced visitation of the Spirit of the Lord, to the degree that this woman who just came in to to give a greeting, she just began to weep, and she began to, the secrets of her heart began to be spilled out from her mouth, and she kept saying, I don't know why I'm saying this. I've never told this to anybody, and the end result of it was we began to talk about prayer, and she was a Christian, but the the subject came to prayer. And I asked her how she prayed. And she said that she just has talked with God over the years. And she she would just be in conversations with him and she would listen to him. She didn't really know what it meant. And she thought that perhaps there was something wrong with her because everybody else in her general church environment or that she had known throughout her life always thought that prayer was just making petitions. And so we talked about God speaking to his people and how he's more interested in the journey than he is in the end result, because the end result is a sealed thing. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's more interested in developing you than he is anything else. And so we talked about prayer and what it meant to just listen to God and to speak with him. And um, we kept talking about these things until the next appointment came in, and we continued to talk during the first 10 minutes of the next individual's appointment time. And I finally said, well, Keith, um, I know your, your next person is here. And I reached out and greeted them and spoke a blessing over them because I'm sure they, they didn't know what they'd walked into. But that's really who we are in God. We are to be people who walk with him and who pray in that way it's not just coming and with the hat in hand and knocking on the door and saying, Fa- dear God, I come to you and and I need this and I need that and would you look down upon me and see and uh you know it's 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 troubling to consider how prayer which is supposed to be partnering with God and commune with Him, has largely become simply a a Western Union line where you need funds and you need them now. You need healing and you need them now. You need an intervention and you need it now. So you go before God and that's all you ask Him for. And then when the if the answer comes in the way you think it should. You say, yay, thank you, Lord. But you never go further to, to really express anything to him. And then you don't pray again until the next problem. That's, that's Or before your meal when you quote some um, <laughs> poetic expression. Sometimes I, I think about the things we've prayed when we, when we pray over food And we ask God to bless the hands that prepared it. That's always a common phrase. And to me, I think you should have been blessing the hands that prepared it before they prepared it. After they prepared it, it's a little too late to be asking God to intervene on what their hands are doing. Their their hands are already out of the picture. I understand you're you're just speaking gratitude. but um, Or even at night when you pray before you go to bed and the the crazy prayer that kids little kids would pray if i should die before i wake well that's something to put in the mind of a kid before they go to sleep and that's more for the parents that's more for the parents uh overly attendant worries than it is for a little kid you pray that you think well good grief like i don't want to die before i wake well, how could that happen? You know, and then they're they're uh, they're really troubled, but but prayer is is something that should be a way of life for us, and we definitely need to be people of prayer in these days, particularly in the time frame that God has chosen to allow us to speak with him and serve him now i'm going to direct our attention to a well-known passage for all of us it's 1 timothy chapter 2 and we're going to consider verses 1 through 4 because here the apostle paul is speaking to his son in the faith and this young man was being called into a pastoral ministry, and Paul is giving him lots of directions and lots of principles and lots of advice. And so um, here is one of the signature passages about prayer, and it it includes a sequence of that we've taught on many times before. And the reason I'm directing us to this today is to remind us of what Paul is saying here under the anointing of the Spirit and to encourage you to apply it concerning what's going on in the world right now. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. We can stop there, even though the rest of this chapter is marvelous. Paul speaks about praying in a certain way for all of humanity. There it says all men, but it's really anthropos, and, it, and it's all people. And then for kings and for those who are in authority. This progression of prayer is truly fourfold. And we have studied each of these in the past. And we have put this progression together in the past. So I'm not going to belabor that because this is a Saints Network audience and we should already know this. The first is supplications. Supplications. And this is uh, deasis. And we understand that supplication in the Old and in the New Testament is that type of um, partnership with God where we commit all that we are basically to his will and to what he is wanting to do. And a person who engages in the spirit of grace and supplication is yielding themselves to what god is what god is doing and you feel the burden of pressing forward with everything that is in you in intercession to the breakthrough or the birthing that god is wanting and you may know what that breakthrough is you may not immediately know the target of, of breakthrough, but supplication is a partnership. It is something you devote yourselves to do to much, much like a, a woman who is, uh, has committed herself to bearing a child. You know that it's not as easy as saying, Oh yeah, we're going to have a baby. You've got to commit yourself. And you are in it, and it is in you. And uh, the ultimate measure then will be the deliverance. That's a, it's a good word. You're delivering a baby, but you're also delivering the mother. <laughs> so I don't know where that deliverance really uh, really applies most to. You know, the baby is free from the the womb and entering into the new world, but the mom's saying, "woo." God that's over, and uh, it, it, I guess it's whichever way you want to look at being delivered. So, uh, this supplication is: how do we enter into this? Well, you commit yourself to spending time with God, and usually, to me, somebody somebody who is uh, in, supplic- in a supplication type of a, of a format or scenario. Is going to find themselves in, for instance, the saints. What we have committed ourselves to do, um, where we are intercessors. We we learn from God as He reveals the interpretation of what we're uh, interceding in the Spirit, and we prophesy, and we we study the things that the spirit reveals in the scripture we align what we are with the scripture Um, and we um, we let the scripture be our foundation and we recognize that this is a way that god welcomes his kingdom to the earth through these types of sons and saints And as God opens doors throughout the world, and he has done this over and over again in so many nations, and I still marvel, how in the world did this door open? How in the world did these people here become uh, filled with a hunger for what it is that you have been giving to us? And how did you make that contact? And how, how are we here? It's it's amazing, but our mission is to go into the, all the world and make disciples and to preach the gospel of the kingdom. That's a ministry, a thumbnail sketch of the ministry of the saints, and if you recognize God has called you into that, well, then largely your supplication is going to be um, bonded together with that calling. Because it is a breakthrough type of a calling. It is a warfare. It is it is a battle. The fruits are magnificent. But it is, as we know from what the Scripture says about the end times, that the enemy detests the saints. So you need people who aren't just filling a prayer list or prophesying, thinking that that's going to do something. Um I believe in prophecy but you've got to be devoted you've got to be partnering with God in supplication toward the grace of accomplishing this overall ministry and um and the breakthroughs for various theaters of operation so supplication is that and it really has to do with you understanding your created identity in God. And some people might hear this and say, Well, how do I know that? I don't know, I don't know what my identity is. Well, let me just help you. You begin by being an intercessor. So your identity is you are created to pray every day, to wait on God uh, and spend time with Him. Pray in the Spirit. Lay on your face before the Lord. God searches for that. Study the Word of God as the Spirit guides you. I I would study the Word. I would study the intricacies of the Scripture. I would not necessarily fill my head with every wind of doctrine that's out there. You just get confused. You know, uh, I have a very dear friend who's a dentist and a very good one, thank God. I guess if you have a dentist, you want him to be a good one or her. And Uh, But I'm sure that when he went to class, he wasn't studying every other lesson that was being taught down the hallway or any other place on that campus because he didn't want to miss out on anything. He stayed focused on what he needed to be doing to fulfill his calling. And I'm grateful that he did that. So um, you... If you will be what you're supposed to be as an individual, the Spirit will guide you into that calling that He's given you. And if you just focus on the calling, if you just focus on whether people are noticing you, if you ever, God forbid, get into a jealousy war, wanting to rise to the top, you're that is a lack of humility at its core and you will probably never be promoted. Do you ever think about that? God exalts the humble? Um, Did you hear about the guy who got a medal for being humble and as soon as he got the medal he wasn't humble anymore? Um, We have to be no false humility here. But if you If you have not been praying, if you have not been waiting on God, seeking him, that's the first step. It's like saying, well, you know, I'd like to go out and play on my high school football team if you're in high school. But you don't work out. You don't train. You don't know the first thing about the rules of football. You've never touched a football. But, boy, I want to be it. Why in the world would that coach want you on the team? why why would you even think you could be on that team if you didn't do anything to enhance a capability that would be necessary to play on that team does that make sense so strengthen your own relationship with the lord and god will speak to you how do you think david king david found his place that that God would ultimately want him to serve. Well, he spent many years out on the hillside all by himself. His father didn't even consider him. Read the Bible yourself. You'll see it. His brothers disdained him. And, you know, how did he then, after defeating Goliath, how did he rise into kingship? I mean, the current king was trying to kill him. Nobody was promoting him. Nobody was noticing him, do you ever read these things and think about them, or does it just skip over your head? So be what you're supposed to be. That's the ultimate thing, and God will guide you, but I can guarantee you he's going to, if you're sincere and you really are committed to him, he will guide you into some form of ministry, and you got to be humble in it. And your supplication will be devoted toward the success of that ministry. And honestly, we've traveled a great deal, and we we deal with people who are in lots of different camps. I don't want somebody that's really devoted somewhere else. And I'm always suspect of people in other ministries that, only live to yank people away from places where those individuals are called to serve. I mean, there needs to be a respect for the gifts and the callings of God. And um, it's kind of like if you ever were dating somebody and the whole time they were with you, they were always winking and looking at other guys or whoever. And you think, well, what what are you doing? Are you Are you date shopping now while you're out with me? I mean, we we have to find the place that the Lord calls us and be faithful there. But the heart of supplication is that. And I truly value and appreciate people who are just absolutely desirous of seeking God. and, And if God has called them to serve in the ranks of what we're called to do throughout the world as saints i cherish that i truly do the best of the best ability is availability and um and sustainability i mean if you if you are not really committed um you, you, you're you not searching with your whole heart, and you're not really going to find God. Do you understand that? I didn't intend to take so long on this first point, but when Paul begins with supplications, he was really speaking to Timothy and the church about finding that measure of commune with God, wherein you partner with him and then you follow that pathway that God has ordained the second is prayers this is our old friend prosuke and this is this is in the new testament regularly attached to deesis supplication so it's 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 really an understanding that is derived from the times of prayer wherein you then proclaim or you make your declaration concerning what God has revealed, not what you want to have happen necessarily. Now, it's great if what you want to have happen is what God has revealed, but if it's just your list, you know, how can I get what I need What I think I need. How can God hasn't been listening? Maybe I've not been applying the right principles. So, oh, I'm just going to try this to get what I want. That's not what prosyuke is. Prosyuke is declaring something that God has inspired in your heart through prayer. And you make that statement because there's power in the words. You pray that thing with thanks And um, it really is a measure of interpretation of what you have gleaned from God and in God during your times of supplication, because they are most of the time linked in biblical sightings. Intercessions is a, a unique word. It's a third one in this list, because it it speaks about those things that you come upon. To me, it's very similar to the Old Testament pagah, which is what intercession was in the Old Testament. That was the, the, the one of the main words translated as intercessor, and it means to light upon, to come upon, something that God has put in your pathway, and you, you know you're going to have to deal with it. It is an emergent thing. And you have to be very selective with this because you've got to choose your battles. There, there are other things that could appeal to your attention. There are urgencies and emergencies that arise, and I'm not speaking about them. I mean, that's one of the ways that the enemy derails intercessors. He fills them with urgencies and emergencies, and they use the fuel of intercession to put out fires and to take care of things that are really usually not their, not their obligation to fulfill. So, you, and, and intercessors are caring people. They're loving people. Um, you, you, it's been said that in a church, if you want a job done, find a busy person. Because they'll do it. Um, intercessors are that kind of people but we have to always remember that our priority our priority is seeking god and we we must be very careful what we sow ourselves into we must be very careful where we invest our passion you know you can you can minister to a need without pouring out everything that's within you into that need? Do you realize that? I know that may sound crass and callous, but it's, it's really true. Uh, it, it really is true. I could give you lots of examples of how Jesus ministered because he, he did that very thing. He kept his focus on what the Father had asked him to do he kept his focus on what his mission was. And he would say things to people, like, the, like the, the, the ruler of the synagogue who came and had an urgent need. Jesus dealt with what he was supposed to be dealing with there first, and then he dealt with the situation that was urgent. <clears throat> there was lots of illustrations like that. We don't We don't really read between the lines, but it's true. I have seen so many intercessors, sincere people, who have been derailed because of good things. I'm telling you, the most important thing in your life is fulfilling what God has created you to be in him all the other things, all the other responsibilities, all the other tasks even though they may be urgent are secondary but this word intercessions and it it speaks about in the pathway you know like Pagan, the Old Testament and I'm making that equation here Um, like when Jacob came upon the place of the double camp, the Mahanim. And that was a Paga moment. Or, you know, there are a lot of those. And when you recognize that it is a God moment, not just a good thing, not just even a thing where God may touch somebody, and that's always wonderful. But if you recognize that God brought this in accordance with his mission for me i recognize that this is something of significance and i need to pour myself into it this is how jesus prayed one of the main ways that the bible says that jesus prayed and we we have to be like him and this is this is important now these don't happen every day but god will lead you into scenario scenarios where you recognize all right this is you know we could say it's a divine appointment, maybe this is divine appointment prayer. But again we have to not and as a pastor I can tell you this. You know I have a I have a duty to minister to my congregation. But not everything that people bring to my attention is urgent. And there are a lot of things they bring to my attention that I'm not supposed to do anything about. They're the ones that are supposed to be doing something about it. And you, some people love to be needed and they find their identity and everybody needing them. You got to lay that down. (laughs) The most important thing you can do is to be, here am I, send me Lord, serving him. And um, I, I believe that God would have us to really be cautious of this in these days because there are going to be increasing appeals for our time and our attention And a lot of them are going to be very pressing. We have to be a discerner of the difference between something that God is really putting in our pathway as opposed to things that we encounter on our pathway that may or may not be in accordance with what we're really called to do. Now I got to be clear about this because sometimes people get confused. They hear what they want to hear. Do you ever know anybody like that? You, you know, you've got to take care of the needs of your household. But you don't you don't need to allow your household to become your god. There's a fine line there. And you you can I've learned this. You can take care of the needs of your family without abandoning what God has called you to do. It can be done. And so I am not saying that when you get when you get right with God and his spirit is on you, that you just abandon your responsibilities. That's ludicrous. If if you don't take care of the needs of your household, you're you're worse than an infidel, the scripture says. But then, on the other hand, you can't let all the things that are going on in your household become your God. And you say, "Oh, I, I'd like, okay, Lord, I'd like to do this for you, but I got to do this over here." Now, there are some times where you can't avoid taking care of scenarios. I hear me when I'm saying this, but if if you're not careful. The agenda of households will take you away from the agenda of any point of supplication, which is why the Apostle Paul wrote about the younger women. Um, It'd be better if they served God. He he was not setting up some order of of nuns, (laughs) and he was certainly not advocating for uh, everybody to be eunuchs. Um, People just... Totally, they totally misuse the Bible sometimes. It's just, it's just amazing. But Paul said, you know, once a, once a woman starts gets married and has children and maybe she's working outside the home, it's difficult for her to seek after the things that are of the Lord. And Paul even wrote, he said, I would that all men were like me. I, I did not take a wife according to what he said, but we know that Peter did. Um, See what I'm saying? Some people are called to that, but the essence is that you can have a household and still serve God and still seek after him. You just got to let everybody in the household know what the priority is without being condescending or holier than thou. You see what I'm saying? So the priority is God. And then the final part of this is giving thanks. This is Eucharistia. I think it's interesting that the first part of this is supplication, and the end of this fourfold thing is grace, because grace and supplication is one of the seven spirits of God, the spirit of grace and supplications. That's listed in your Bible. may not be underlined, but it's there. Uh, this is part of God; we partner with him in grace. We go before the throne of grace. The early church grew in grace. The last scripture in the Bible May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. A greeting that is found in so many of the epistles, so many of the, of, the, of the scriptures in the New Testament. Grace, mercy, and the fulfilment of peace be upon you be with you all. I mean, God is a God of grace, and that's always breaking through into the new thing. So you you give thanks to him. You express thanks when there is breakthrough or for, the, for just the privilege of being able to partner with his purpose in grace. This is excellent. So we've got to have this lifestyle. But then Paul, Paul says this is for all people but for kings and those that are in authority. One of the things that God has said to us is that, you know, as we go into the nations and we read what the scripture says about the end times, there are going to be international scenarios where intercessory prophets, saints, are going to be thrust into the forefront of things. We have got to learn how to pray before the throne as God directs us for international scenarios. I think one that we could be doing right now, it's obvious we need to be praying for our president and for whoever it is that's advising him. But... I also think we need to be praying for Vladimir Putin you know I was reading several different reports yesterday and I read in three of them they said that over the past year there has been a change in this Russian leader it's like he's become a different person and at 73 years old they said it's it's markedly a different persona in him. And you could even see uh, two days ago when he was sharing the stage with one of his chief intelligence experts. I mean, he just tore into that poor man publicly. And I've never heard him show his cards that way. Now, I'm not advocating one way or another, but I'm going before the Lord saying, what's going on there? Is this a mental Health situation with him—is it a—is it a demonic intervention? There, has, has he covenanted with the enemy in some way, and this miscreant behavior that he's participating in is being directed by what the Bible says in the end times would be an unclean, a, a type of an unclean spirit. I don't know. But it sure would be good for us if we're praying for Eastern Europe and for the door of opportunity to sow the kingdom there before the night comes. It, it might be good for us to pray for kings and those of authority, go before the Lord and ask, what's going on here? How can we partner with you, Father? Is the enemy trying to do something here that it's before the times. Is, is he trying to change the times? Is he trying to do something that is wrong? And if if people by chance were to rise up in the inner circle and overthrow him, would a worse come on? So I think that's the case for the United States and for there. Yeah, well, let's pray to get this person out. But what's coming next? Is that worse? But wouldn't it be great? If God were to so choose to intervene in the life of that man and to cause him to be broken before the Lord, obviously there's something that's changed in him. Now, maybe it's just his deduction that there is a weak, a weaker scenario in the United States. And then he may be able to get away with things. He watched Afghanistan, the debacle there, and he sees what he determines to be division within the ranks. And he sees, he perceives division in NATO because Germany is so reliant upon uh, Russian fuel. And, you know, he he may have deduced that this is a time to do something. But I think that there's something different, and I think we need to be really submitting ourselves to the Lord and pray for Putin, pray for that leadership over there. And I'm not even going to start talking about what President Xi is doing, but for right now, I think we should if for no other reason than to submit ourselves before God and to make ourselves available, should he want to use us as intercessors, and then declare things that God would share with our heart, and um, that we may lead a, quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth do you think god wants that i believe he does that's our god so let's let's pray and let's pray for our leadership here in this country. We and our, and our objective is that our mission before the Lord be unhindered. That we will be able to insist upon what God wants done and that his timing will be exact the book of Daniel tells us that the enemy in these days will try to change the times. I believe the enemy is trying to hasten the closing of the window. We've got to, in the direction of the Lord, stand for God's timing, stand for God's will, but ultimately for us as individuals, stand in supplication for what we have been called by God. To do. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the last couple of years, we've been forced to be creative and improvise. That's great, but the main, the main um, pursuits that we know we have to do in working, has has been limited. Our ability to travel, our ability to go and in, um, into the fields where God is calling us, has been hindered that that has to be corrected <laughs> the enemy does not want us to do what god has asked us to do so we need to pray so i think that you know even our seminar that's coming up in the middle of march please register online whether you're coming or whether you're watching virtually it's entitled understanding the times and a main focus of this is for us to submit ourselves before God to be what he requires of us in these end days and to to glean the tools from his word and to glean the insights through our joint times of intercession and to be to receive impartations from the Lord so we can be more finely attuned to him in the days that we're living in and to what's coming. I think one of the ways we do that is by praying. And this scripture specifically tells us to do this very thing for kings and for all of those who are in authority. How about if we pray um in that way through the rest of this week let's focus on what's going on right now in eastern ukraine and in all of those baltic nations and in russia and let's let's seek the lord and see what he will say and what he will ask us to say i th- i think you may be surprised at what of what happens and, um, and and as what the Lord said this past Sunday and what we have been proclaiming throughout this week, let's be as Isaiah was in Isaiah 6 and gain a, a, a fresh calibration of our intercessory ministry and an empowerment from the throne of God, from God himself, from the fire that is his fire. Let it touch us and um, that we can be the best, the very best of who we're supposed to be in God. Well, God bless you all. Thanks for joining and um, stay warm this week. Um, Again, avail yourself of our Saints Network website, and register for the coming Understanding the Times gathering just a few weeks away now. But let's pray, and let's be before our Father. God bless, and goodbye.